Hello there, my friends. Welcome back to the Lucky Titan podcast. I'm so stoked to have you guys here. And today we're actually pulling another episode from the archive. Now, a lot of you have been asking this question, which is how do I leverage a podcast to generate revenue? Now, the cool thing about this is that um, I have talked to multiple of the world's top leaders on this. And obviously, this is our entire company is helping people monetize podcasts and generate revenue with their podcasts. And I have personally leveraged my show to generate over a million dollars in revenue for myself. But then for other people that I've referred to, we've actually been able to generate them tens of millions of dollars specifically through the Lucky Titan podcast. So thank you guys for all of you who support this show. But additionally, today, as we pull this episode out, I wanted, wanted to share with you one specific episode in particular that really stood out to me, which is an episode I did with Albin Brook. Now, Albin Brook is one of the owners um, in Buzzsprout, which is a fantastic company that helps actually host podcasts. But he and I were deep diving this concept of how to actually take a podcast and use it as a content multiplier. So what that basically means is how to leverage like 10 to 15 minutes of your time every week to be able to have an entire week's worth of content strategy. Or if you're smart, spend an hour once a month and you've got your entire month worth of content. It's an incredible strategy. Very, very excited to share it with you guys here today, once again, on this interview. Now, before we hop in, I have a quick message from one of my sponsors. Now, as many of you know, we're sponsored by Repurpose House. And I have a question for you to just kind of kick this off. Have you ever had a piece of content that you, you know, maybe you did a TED Talk, you had a really killer interview, and then you put all this effort into it, you post it on social media, and nothing. Crickets. Nobody ended up liking it, commenting on it, or maybe your mom came on and commented on it, which is even worse than nobody commenting on it. And what you end up seeing is that um, no, nobody actually came in and used your content. So the cool thing about Repurpose House, what they'll do is they will take this piece of content. What I would say is one of those game-changing pieces of content that you've produced, and they will turn it into multiple pieces of content and make it really like a cinematic experience where the content is actually used as a selling point for you, a, a status building tool for you to attract a real audience. So what they'll do is they'll take that one clip, they'll repurpose it, and they'll post it all over social media for you. It's an incredible service. I've used it myself. And so have people like Tony Robbins, Dean Graciosi, and some of the other top leaders on the internet. So I hope all of you will get a chance to go check them out. And we have a very special deal for you where you can just skip the line, get right into a call with one of their top members of their team so we can see if this is a good fit for you. So all you have to do is go to repurposehouse.com forward slash Titan, and they will get you right through the process. You can book right on that page. So once again, that's repurposehouse.com forward slash Titan. And with that, guys, I have one final point for you before you head off and go listen to this interview or go over to Repurpose House, which is if you've loved this podcast and you feel like this is something that could bless somebody else's life, please go share it with that person. Just shoot them a link in your, in your iTunes or send them the YouTube link or something. This is so helpful to the show, but it also helps us get the word out. Podcasting is here to stay. Being a, an entrepreneur is so important, and this podcast is all about helping you accomplish both of those goals. So please share that with somebody. Make sure you like and subscribe the channel as well. So we appreciate you guys, and let's hop into the interview. What is up, everybody? Josh Tapp here again, and welcome back to the Lucky Titan podcast. So today we have Albin Brook here with us, and this is a really exciting interview because Albin is the CMO or the head of marketing at Buzzsprout, which is my favorite podcast hosting platform, and we currently actually use their platform as well. So I'm really excited to have Albin here to discuss you know, what they're doing in the marketing realm as far as growing and scaling a platform. So Albin, say what's up to everybody and tell us something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. Well, Josh, thanks for having me. I'm super excited for this interview. Um, yeah, what's up, everybody who's listening? <laughs> uh, 
something interesting uh, that probably wouldn't come out in this is uh, after school, I taught uh, after college, I taught school in Haiti. Um, feels like a very formative piece of my life. So I lived there for a bit and taught. And awesome. uh, it is something that doesn't come up a lot, but it is something that definitely shaped the way I see the world. So I don't know if any of that will shine through in this interview. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and honestly, so I, I did something very similar, but down in Mexico and Southern Mexico and I, same way, I think if you experience kind of that, you know, developing world poverty and realizing, wow, like how much opportunity we have here, it really, it kind of shapes how you, you do everything moving forward because you're just grateful. I feel like after experiencing that. So thanks for sharing that, man. I really appreciate that. Well, so Alvin, let's hop right in. You know, a lot of people know about Buzzsprout. It's what the number one platform out there for hosting your podcast. And you guys have done an excellent job with marketing. So let's delve in a little bit to, you know, how you guys have been growing and scaling Buzzsprout. Sure. So one of the the biggest lessons for Buzzsprout, this is a bit of history, is, um, you know, you want to be early to things. Uh, That's just a principle of marketing is it's much easier to be first than to be the best in things. And so we were not the first to podcast hosting, but we were early. Um, So we started in 2008. Um, We had a content management system and people were writing in saying, how do we get our um, all of our audio online? And in our research, we went, oh, sounds like they kind of want to start a podcast. So we launched Buzzsprout in 2009. Uh, so now we're at 11 years of kind of growing a podcasting platform. Yeah. And you went from, you said, what was it? Number four to number one in a relatively short amount of time. Yeah. Oh, well, we quickly faded. I don't know if we were the fourth to launch. We would, I'm sure we faded fast into the back. So uh, we were definitely not number one when I started or number four is when I started um you know, started working at Buzzsprout and we do not have the most podcasts of any host. There's other hosts that have more than us. Um, but what's happened for us has been, um, you know, we really were not much of a marketing driven company, um, really before, you know, I started, we were building web applications and the entire ethos of the company was if you build it, they will come. If you build a great app, people will use it and they will share it with friends. And while that's really true that your best customers come from a word of mouth um, recommendation in a world dominated by Google ads and content and all sorts of different channels, just to get that critical mass where you have enough people actually talking about you um, was kind of hard to get. So Buzzsprout was kind of this product that was slow and steady growth for years until we really got a wake-up call uh, when we went to our first conference. So um, yeah, in 2014, there was a conference called Podcast Movement. And uh, one of the developers and a guy in support went. And when they went there, they found one person who knew of Buzzsprout. And it was like, whoa, they came back and everybody's like, well, we've got like thousands of podcasts on the platform. How is that possible that nobody knew about us? And, you know, of all the apps, it was just never the one that was getting all the attention. And then that was kind of a point where they went, well, maybe we need to start investing in marketing and getting our name out there because this market must be a lot larger um, than we'd anticipated. Yeah. Well, and that's really cool because what's interesting to me is a lot of software companies, you know, come to the game that way. 
they build an excellent product. And like you said, you don't even have to be the best. You just have to be the first or the, the, the quickest to market. And it's, it's really interesting because they went, I mean, you went to the conference where, and if people aren't familiar with this podcast movement or PodFest, these places, that's pretty much where all of the best podcasters congregate. And if you're going there, only one person knows it's like, whoa, our market hasn't even been touched yet. <laughs> so I, that's really interesting that that kind of happened to you guys in that sense. And then, so you know, you came into the company and they were at that point, what were some of the marketing strategies that you put into place? I mean, were you going kind of ad heavy or were you spending time in joint venture partnerships? What was kind of your, your strategies for growing? Well, my, my background was law. So I was a lawyer when I quit and came to Buzzsprout. And so I had no marketing experience. Um, they needed some legal work for one of our other applications, which was a medical company. And they hired me on to do support and then like, hey, probably this marketing thing will be something you can do too. Um, so it was lots of research. And what I initially was gravitated towards was um, content marketing. And the entire idea of content marketing is just so attractive to me because I often, you often are on the web and you're searching for something and you're like, wow, nobody has answered this question really well yet. Right. And I kind of would always get this feeling like, you know, of all the billions of people in the world, no one's taken the time to really outline the answer to this. And like, it would be like, when does a certain fairy run? And like the fairy didn't publish anything, but people who lived around there knew it. And I was like, why is no one taking the time to publish that? And so I've felt, always felt that way. So then when I was on Buzzsprout, started with Buzzsprout, I said, wow, there's tons of these podcast questions that while people have answered them, they haven't really sat down to think about them. And so that's why I was initially attracted to content marketing because the internet allows us to spend 20 times more time than is reasonable on something and really dive into it and do so much work. But then Google will serve you with like outsized rewards and they go, okay, you were like the one crazy person to go and do all of this work. But now we're going to send pretty much all the traffic your way because this is now the best answer. And there's something just so initially attractive about that, that I spent a lot of time working on content marketing. Yeah. And so you personally went out, did research on this and chose topics. So what's kind of been your process to, to find good content that actually converts? Because one of your articles you said has reached over a million views at this point. Yeah. So, I mean, it starts with, you know, SEO, everything should be SEO driven. There's content marketing that people do that is kind of trying to hit like a hot topic of today or some opinion piece that I think will perform well. And that was never attractive to me because it never felt like somebody was taking the time to give a really great answer about something that's asked a lot. And so it always starts with keyword research. You're actually trying to figure out what questions are people asking that hit this Venn diagram. Here's the Venn diagram that I kind of draw. Um, Questions related to my industry, specifically ones that indicate that somebody is interested in my product. So, you know, that's a circle. Then uh, questions that have significant volume. So there's actually more than three people searching it a month. You know, if you can get 30,000, that's great. But even a few hundred, 
that might even still be something valuable. So get some volume. And then the third, which was much more of a consideration early, was um, a topic that I actually could rank for so that it wasn't so competitive um, that I couldn't rank for it. So when you're trying to select a topic, you're trying to find the intersection of this Venn diagram. Circle one is questions being asked by customers or potential customers. Things that are actually indicating somebody is interested in buying your product at some point. Then uh, volume, we actually want to get something that people are searching for regularly. Um, So not like five people a month, like we're trying to get hundreds and possibly thousands of searches a month for this term. And then just some sort of like ability to rank. So this would be called competition. Um, You are not going to start a website and within a few years rank for anything around credit cards because the people who are doing work around credit cards are so good at it and it's so competitive that you just don't have the ability to do that. Um, So you want to find keywords that are somewhere within your realm of possibility. Uh, So that was the research that I would do. And I would, you know, one thing I also threw in was we have current customers who are asking questions. So I also wanted to satisfy, you know, their questions with good answers. So those all came together. And the first article I really wrote, one of the first, I think was on podcast artwork. And that was just a day of me sitting down going, all right, I know some stuff about this. I did all the research and I try to pull together all the best practices into one article. And then a couple months later, I started noticing like we were getting thousands of reads on it a month. And that kind of opened my eyes to, okay, this can be really valuable because now we are getting a lot of people who are into podcasting, learning about our product. And it serves a few different purposes. One, it could be leads because people are trying to figure out artwork right before they start a podcast. Um, It can also just be brand building, even for people who are on a different host, uh, picked a different customer uh, company to host with. And I was helping our own customers. So there are a lot of values there. And really from then, we just kept doubling and tripling down on content marketing and creating content for uh, the podcasting industry. Yeah. Well, and I have a few questions on that because I know a lot of people who listen to this are kind of newer to this, this game of right They're, They've grown their business through one form of marketing and typically it's been through, you know, ads or something, you know, a paid method, but I really like this content marketing method because what you're talking about is basically, it's more about the time that you commit to it and the value that you're providing to your customers. So, you know, when you're structuring your content and thank you for the Venn diagram as well, I think that's really a, a cool representation of that. But when you're, um, you know, you're writing all this content. How many pieces of content do you guys put out, you know, on a weekly basis? Well, this is something we've scaled up to over the past five years, but um, we put out two videos on YouTube, which are heavily edited. Like those have a lot of production value behind them. Uh, We put out one to two podcast episodes every week, once biweekly and the other ones every week. Uh, We put out some standalone series on podcasts. Um, at least one blog post, we're moving that up to two every week. Uh, we send out a newsletter every week. Uh, so, you know, however many pieces of content that is. One of the traps I fell into early was this content 
number trap. And you, it is really dangerous to think, well, my competitor's putting out 10 pieces of content. If I want to win, I have to put out 11. Right. Um, but that just doesn't work. What is much more valuable is creating the one piece of content your custom, your competitor is not crazy enough to create. You know, <laughs> doing so much work on it that this thing is going to be the best for years. And what you do is you kind of create a moat for your business that no one's really going to try to match you in your content creation because they're going, I'm not going to go do all that work. An example of this, this is way beyond something that we've ever done. Um, now I, I feel terrible. I've forgotten her name. Uh, there's a woman who writes for law firms and law firm referral sites in Texas, I believe. And she was trying to figure out who the best DUI lawyers were. So you could put together an article on that in like a day and just publish it. Instead, she went to the courthouse, got all the public filings for the last year of DUI cases, found out whether or not they won or lost, and then figured out which attorney represented them. And I think she was even trying to score like how bad the facts were for them. And then she used all of that to create a page that said, I am ranking these people as who's actually the best. I'm trying to come up with who the actual best DUI attorney in Houston is, for example. And that's the crazy level of work that nobody else is going to try to replicate. And now that page is going to rank. And all of the lawyers at the top of the list are recommending that page to everybody saying, hey, check it out. I did win all those cases. Right. And now that can last for years. And it attracts all of the links and it attracts all of the traffic. It attracts everyone, a lot of trust. Um, so try to find not the number, but maybe the depth that you can get in your content. Yeah. Well, and do you recommend for a lot of people to, to go for these larger, so for example, like you're in the podcasting space, right? I mean, you're, you're creating content for that consistently. And you know, a lot of people look at an industry like that and say, oh, it's overcrowded, right? There's too many people already ranking for that. Like, do you think podcasting, for example, is a place where people shouldn't be trying to create content um, as far as, um, you know, like written content or what have you? I mean, it just totally depends on your abilities because what was too competitive for me to consider in 2016 is now our bread and butter just because the, you know, the domain authority has gone up. Um, our website is stronger. That's a better way to say it, baby. Um, that we it's we have a much better distribution because we have um, hundreds of thousands of people on our email list, so we can just send a piece out. And we know that it's going to get read. Uh, we have a lot of we have a large Facebook group, so we know people will share it and talk about it there. Um, just all of that makes it so I know pretty much whatever we write about podcasting is going to be read. Right. Um, but if I were restarting it now, I would probably be creating content somewhere that other people were not creating content yet. Um, so I don't know if there's anybody in the podcasting space who's doing great webinars. Um, there may be, I just may be ignorant to it. Um, I don't know if anyone's doing truly, you know, doing a bunch of great stuff on Instagram around it. Um, that's only again, cause I'm not there, so I wouldn't know. Right. Um, but there's, there's holes that are not being filled slide shares. I don't know if anyone's making any good slide shares or publishing good stuff on LinkedIn, like articles on LinkedIn. 
And these are all places where you could put new content. And one of the nice things about, you know, if you're the first person to a space is you start attracting everyone who enjoys that platform or that uh, medium, they are going to say, Hey, this is the, they will gravitate to your content. Yeah. And that's, that's really cool because you know, what you're talking about is saying you don't have to come up with new information. You're just saying, present it in a different way, put it in a different place and add your own research to it, which is really cool. So when you're doing, um, you know, this content, you guys have, like you said, you already have strong domain authority and everything. And for somebody who's newer to the game, like they're trying to hop into the content marketing game, where do you think they should start? What's like the first thing that they should be doing? Um, Well, the thing that I did right was try to learn the SEO basics first um, so that you are putting all of your effort behind something that can succeed because you want to be able to actually pick things in the center of that Venn diagram that you could rank for that people are actually looking for and are helpful to your customers. The helpful to your customers um, when you're creating like customer avatars or you're just talking to your own customers, you know that stuff on your own. Um, that also is this series of questions that your business should be good at answering. Um, and so, you know, kind of looking at the SEO bit just to make sure that you're targeting keywords and topics that you can do a good job at. Now, one thing I've noticed a lot that a lot of the pushback I get uh, for people who are new to content marketing is, well, I don't want to give all of this away. This is what I'm doing. And so for us, I've taught people how to avoid using a podcast host at all and how to get your podcast into Spotify. And here's the instructions on how to do it for Libsyn, which is one of our competitors. And a lot of people are like, oh, I would never do that. Like that doesn't feel right. I don't want to give it away. I want, or else why would people pay, you know, to get this service? And the reason you give it away is because content market for one if people could easily replicate the entire business that you're doing, then you're not going to be in business for a very long time. Other people will start the same business and do it just as well as you and undercut what you're doing. But two, if you're teaching it, you understand it better. You are actually showing people how difficult it is to do and they will appreciate it. And then they will have a ton of trust And at some point, like 80% of the way through, they'll throw their hands down and go, okay, I definitely don't want to edit all my own podcasts myself. I'm just going to hire somebody to edit it. And if you're the person teaching people how to edit, then they're going to go, and this guy really seems like he knows what he's doing and I trust him. So I'm just going to hire him. Right. And you, um, one of our customers from Buzzsprout was somebody who sets up call centers and he, on his podcast, would just talk about setting up call centers, what metrics to put in place, how to hire the right people, the best headsets, all of the stuff. And you, you could see that and say, well, now people are just going to set them up themselves. But really what happens is people are doing all the research and they go, yep, this is way bigger of a project than I anticipated. But now I need to hire somebody and I sure know who I'm going to because I've been listening to him for hours and hours. And I built up all this trust. Yeah. And that's, that's awesome. And, and, you know, I, we could talk about this all day. This is something that I I love to talk about content because I know like even when we started, my whole goal was to just launch a ton of content, be consistent. Right. 
you look at some of, especially in the podcasting space, everybody thinks you've got to be a daily podcast in order to succeed because people like John Lee Dumas, you know, other, other top podcasters have accomplished that. But a lot of times it has to do with the quality of content, like you're saying, and, and taking that time to do your research and actually prep it. So it becomes this really amazing piece of content. So, you know, we've, we've covered a lot of different things today, Alvin, and we're coming to the end of the interview. So I just want to ask you this one final question. If you could have, you know, from this interview, one thing that would stand out to you over anything else or one thing that you could share with our audience that you would want them to, to hold on to, um, what would that be? What would be the one thing you'd share with them? Um, the number one thing that I feel like has served us has been um, being kind and caring about your customers. And you really would not think that, that we would have to express that but there's a lot of businesses that do not see their own customers as being that smart or that valuable. And if you are just hiring people who care about your customers and want to help, it'll make support easier and it will make your content better and it will make the product to be improved. You know, everything in your business will become easier because you'll have everyone on your team pulling in the same direction. And there have been tons of times where we've gone out of our way and you know you've lost money on a customer because our lead designer is logging into someone's Squarespace page to help them fix their embed player. Something we should never, ever, financially, we should never have made let them do that. But, but we do it because we go, yeah, we know how annoying that is. And you are emailing somebody who knows how to do it. So we're just going to let them do it. Right. And like that kind of kindness does come back to you in fold. And I think, um, you know, it's something we definitely need a little bit more of in the world. And I think it always comes back to you in the end that you do better, uh, the kinder you are to your customers. I love that. Yeah. Being willing to give. And honestly, I, I love to hear that from successful brands like yours, because, you know, when, when it comes down to it, a lot of competition, um, that's created is because people are, are not being kind. I mean, the fact that you're willing to write articles about your competitor in a good light is a really good thing. And then, like you said, you know, being able to help your customers working with them. I, I really do appreciate that. But Albin, you know, before we sign off today, where can people connect with you um, and with Buzzsprouts? And then we'll, we'll call it a day. Sure. Um, well, me personally, um, Twitter at Albin Brook, um, Anything you want to know about podcasting, I'm happy to answer it. So if you just uh, tag me in something, I would love to jump in and help. Um, if you want to learn how to podcast, uh, we've got a page on Buzzsprout, How to Start a Podcast, which um, has been read over a million times and goes through the entire process. We've got a video series so that you can watch that if you're more of a visual learner. Uh, we've got a podcast with that title. Um, pretty much any way you want to learn how to podcast, we have you covered. And so just head there if, uh, if that sounds like something you'd be interested in doing. Awesome. I love that, Alvin. Well, thanks a ton for coming on the show today, man. Yeah, thank you, Josh. I appreciate it.